You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and welcome to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. I'm Sharon Noonan and tonight's lineup is very exciting, if I do say so myself. Rachel Keeley will kick off tonight's show with reviews of two restaurants. One is in Galway and the other one is in Leitrim. Staying on the review theme, Wade Murphy, chef owner of the acclaimed restaurant 1826 Adair. He'll be in the studio to talk about many things, including visits from Ireland's most formidable food critics and his regular TV slot. Lazy chef Simon Lamont will be taking a call from me to tell me how his TV3 show came about. Mark Murphy tells me about Ireland's newest cookery school in Dingle. And Anne Cooney from Temple Street Children's University Hospital will be describing what it means to the hospital to have been selected by Tesco to be their charity partner for the next two years. Time permitting, I will have some event information for you towards the end of the show. If you'd like to get in touch, feel free to email me s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org, short for organisation. So last month, food and wine magazine restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley was telling us about two fantastic new restaurants in Limerick, Asian street food at Arroy and Japanese cuisine in Kamichi. Tonight, she's two more restaurants to share with us. One is in Galway and the other one is in County Leitrim. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rachel, tonight you have two little gems for us. One is in Galway and one is in Leitrim. So let's start with the Black Cat, which is Salt Hill in Galway. It is, exactly. It's literally right by the sea in Salt Hill. Um, And what actually attracted us there one evening was we were walking along the promenade and heard some light jazz coming out of a whitewashed building. Um, So literally tempted in like the Pied Piper, we wandered into the building, found lovely sort of nice white open spaces with um, with wooden tables and a, a kind a nice welcoming atmosphere um, and an extensive tapas menu so we were sold it was just the two of you himself and yourself no would you believe it was myself himself my sister her partner and a newborn baby uh, my nephew so um, I was actually it was the first time I really got to test and see how a restaurant uh, could handle I suppose a newborn baby Um, something that doesn't normally occur to me I have to admit but uh, it was interesting because things are different definitely and they handled it very very well And what was the menu? Whenever it's tapas, was it all typical Spanish patatas, bravas and whatnot? It wasn't, which I liked, um, because, I mean, tapas shouldn't necessarily only mean Spanish. You know, tapas can often just mean sort of the style in which it's served. In other words, smaller portions of sort of a variety of flavours. Um, and th- the menu is extensive. It's quite large, actually. I was surprised how large it was. They had a list of specials. They also had a list of main courses, and they had a, an extensive list of tapas. So the tapas weren't by any means um, especially Spanish. They were just more a sort of selection of different flavoured dishes, um, kind of marrying together different ingredients so it was nice it was a nice menu to be able to choose from especially the party of four and did you get bits and pieces then to share or what way did you order we did and uh, we, we had two fine eaters among us my husband and my brother-in-law um, so they ordered with their eyes so there was quite a lot of dishes on the table by the time we were finished um, they started off my brother-in-law's favourite dish uh, in there is uh, the black cat pasta which um, probably you can imagine how popular it is given that it's named after the uh, the the restaurant itself it was essentially an enormous bowl of inky black spaghetti um, which was just called 
boiled around fresh Atlantic seafood and served in a very lush cream sauce. A huge portion, absolutely enormous, but he polished it off with, with a plum. Lovely. What did you have yourself? Um, well, I tasted some of my husband's wild mushroom and beef risotto, um, which was incredibly flavoursome. Um, I mean, the beef, it turned out, was nearly superfluous because the mushrooms are so meaty and so earthy um, that they, they definitely provided plenty of bulk uh, in the dish and, and plenty sort of, of a stronger flavour to stand up to, to the more creamy risotto. Um, they added in softened spinach and then there were some delicate shavings of aged parmesan, which was a lovely touch as well. It gave the whole thing a lovely sort of creamy taste. Um, so I started off digging into that, to be very honest with you. And what sort of wine did you go for? Did you have wine or beer or...? Well, we were driving, um, so that limited us. So I had a glass of wine. No one else did, to be honest. Um, I had a glass of dry viognier, so um, it was it was perfect. It went with a variety of dishes because I knew I'd be tasting a lot. Um, so it, it was sort of nice. Again, it was refined, um, but it wasn't too strong. It worked well with the different variety of flavours that I, that I had it with. What was the highlight on the menu for you? Um, I actually said at the time that if I ever had to have a last meal, I wanted to be the black cat gambas. It, they were incredible. I mean, there, there were a couple of different tapas which were fantastic. There was, for example, the um, the black pudding and thyme croquettes, which were essentially sort of savoury frere rochers, which were lovely. There was chargrill lamb cutlets served with a truffle aioli, which was fabulous, but nothing really compared to the gambas. They were basically fat whole tiger prawns sitting in a warm pink bath of chorizo, chilli and garlic butter. Um, which was just such a simple uh, combination, but they just sang with flavours. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I just kept going back to the bread basket over and over again just to try and gather up as much of this delicious sauce I possibly could. It's, it goes to show if you have very fresh ingredients sourced locally and you pair them with simple additions, the dish will work. And any desserts? Uh, yes, um, again, I was struggling, but um, the guys heroically stepped up to the plate. Um, they ordered a cheese board, which actually had specials from the famous Sheridan's Cheesemongers, which is very, very well known. So a nice mix of cheeses. Um, and again, it's nice to have something that's that's kind of grown locally or, or sourced locally. Um, and then my partner actually had a creme brulee with biscotti, which uh, which was nice, quite delicate. And creme brulee can be difficult to do well. Um, sometimes it can be overly heavy. Um, but no, this is perfect. The crisp crackling just, just giving away beautifully into a very sort of luscious, um, fresh and uh, I suppose light underbelly underneath. And any coffees to finish off? We did. We had some espresso to get us garnered for the, for the trip home an hour and a half down the road to Limerick. And the bill then, so there was, was there four adults there and obviously Sleeping Baby didn't have anything? Sleeping Baby, no, he made his presence felt all right, oh, but no. <laughs> but again, the staff handled it beautifully and they looked after us well, getting us an extra seat and, um, and, and didn't really blink an eyelid at his sort of wanting to make sure he got a bit more attention. Um, but no, it was essentially, I mean, the way it worked out was it was 102 euro for two mains, four tapas, two desserts and a glass of wine, which again, I thought was quite good value you know given especially the portions involved and there was four of four adults exactly, there and you yeah. were all failed mm-hmm. for, for 25 yeah. euro essentially yeah. yes yeah okay and you have another little place that you want to talk about or maybe it's not little i'm just assuming it's little it's called the cottage restaurant in jamestown in leitrim yes yes and, and you're right it is it is little it's exactly as it sounds in the tin it is a cottage uh, whitewashed walls 
beautiful little flowering window boxes and it's set in a little picture postcard village alongside the River Shannon so um, it really is exactly as it sounds a gorgeous little Irish cottage now the only thing is um, the locals actually told me that it did flood unfortunately a couple of years ago and when they renovated it they added in a few extra little little sort of uh, individual tastes so for example there's a strip of neon lighting inside so while it is a traditional cottage it's, it's quite um, youthful and it's quite vibrant as well you know and that carries through to the menu Does that work that lighting in terms of the atmosphere and your expectations whenever you go in? It, it did. It worked quite well because, I mean, again, much like the menu, the menu is essentially, I mean, I hate to use the word fusion because it's so tired, but the, the, the menu is essentially a mix of the chef's uh, Malaysian background and his 20-odd years in Ireland. So it, the menu looks like traditional Irish, but it's not. And the cottage looks like traditional Irish, but it's not. Both things are much better, in fact. And how many of you were dining that night? There were actually four of us. Um, there was a friend um, who had sent me to the cottage. Uh, we had been having dinner in the famous River Cafe in London. And uh, he told me that his favourite restaurant was the cottage in Jamestown County Leitrim. So two more different locations than Leitrim in London couldn't be imagined. So I had to go and investigate for myself. So all four of us went out for dinner in the cottage. No drivers that night? Abandoned, no. We took okay. taxis everywhere. Okay, so we'll start with the wine <laughs> What nice wine did you have? Um, we actually we, we started off with with um, a glass of prosecco, which is I think is always a nice way to to introduce sort of a, a nice treat evening as as this was. Um, but the wine that we actually chose then for the dinner was a Pinot Grigio. It was a Provincia de Pavia, um, twenty five euro, which I thought was quite quite good, uh, quite a well priced uh, bottle given I suppose the high caliber of the restaurant. Um, it was a very balanced wine, uh, a subtle kind of floral finish, which worked well. Well, I suppose given that all four of us chose very different dishes, again, we needed something that, that kind of would hold its own against different flavours. And then I presume it was starters, mains, desserts. desserts. It wasn't a tasting menu on this occasion. No, but I suppose with four people, it almost turned into that. We're all tasting off each other's plates. But um, but no, I mean, I mean, just looking, I suppose, at what myself and my husband had, uh, we started off with um, a homemade basil pesto and sun-dried tomato paste with freshly baked bread. Um, just incredible sounds so simple um sounds so easy to make but the flavors that just that just came through is just incredible and it's no surprise to find out that those pestos are actually on sale in retail shops around ireland um because i've been looking for them ever since um and then i went on i kind of wanted um seafood because i was next to the water kind of had traveled up next to the shannon the whole way and, and decided then that i wanted some fish so i started off with pan-seared king scallops um again sort of a fairly traditional um authentic Irish ingredient but reworked here um, with with this chef um, he served it on a very prettily coloured carrot and ginger blini um, with a cumin and garlic cream and then a nori crisp really finesse the dish and sort of added on a little bit of extra uh, texture and colour lovely yeah. sounds delicious it was it really was very delicious um, but my husband has more landlubber tastes, so he went for a rich confit of quail, uh, which was paired with a hearty potato and leek ragu. Um, and again, uh, sort of very much traditional uh, ingredients, but again, get another twist. So it was served with crispy egg and a tan-coloured caramelised onion puree, which was which is fabulous. Lovely. 
absolutely delicious. I mean, it, they were they were perfectly portioned uh, sizes as well in terms of we we were just able to taste everything without feeling too full for our main courses. And um, because I had went on to have a chunky baked fillet of cod, which was actually very prettily spun um, with golden kataffi pastry around it, uh, sitting on sort of uh, a bed of wilted greens. Um, it kind of looked like a little verdant island um, amidst like a lake of lime and chili cream, which I really liked because a lot of the time you go to sort of fine dining restaurants, which this restaurant pretty much is, um, they serve these delicate little swipes of sauce and um, we barely get to sort of taste it and you get almost no moisture with it. Whereas this is sitting in a lake, essentially, uh, all the better to enjoy more of it. And what did your other companions have to eat? Um, well, there was a, a locally sourced rack of lamb. Um, again, much of the menu was focused on local provenance, you know, which was nice to see. Um, they also had pan seared liver um, and a crisp breast. Again, lots of sort of meaty flavours working together on the plate, um, but really lifted by a turmeric potato gratin and a streak of fragrant rosemary jus which was very very nice actually I hadn't tasted that yet but it really lent it sort of an earthy um, I suppose sweet taste as well which is lovely okay and then on to desserts desserts well at this point we were reaching sort of um, the absolute boundaries of satiety we, we were kind of struggling so we went for the sweet temptation for two but kind of shared it around four it was the only way it could work and um, it was kind of a visual treat it was a, it was a big platter of uh, samples of desserts and um, very much sort of focused on on spring which is when we visited um, so for example a dusty pink rhubarb semifreddo and then an exotic uh, coconut cake and also a mango and passion fruit sorbet so a lovely mix of flavours and um, sweetness to finish with value for money then what do you reckon um, you know it's not an, it's not an incredibly cheap uh, restaurant by any means but you wouldn't expect that standard of cooking um, and incredible value alongside it uh, but having said that I mean we spent 110 euro on two starters two mains wine and a dessert so it was by no means overly expensive either sure and you've all the details, I'm sure, of both those restaurants. The Cottage Restaurant, Gamestown <laughs> in Leitrim and the Black Cat in Salt Hill. Are they on your They blog? are indeed. They're on my blog, yes, on www.ormkeely.com or you can find it at Twitter on uh, at ormkeely. Rachel, thanks so much for coming in and we look forward to talking to you next month. Thanks, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Sound like two interesting propositions from Rachel there. And I look forward to her next visit to the Best Possible Taste Studio on Tuesday the 2nd of December when her slot will take on a festive theme for Christmas. If you'd like to share your feedback on a restaurant or make suggestions for a special night out, please send details to me, s.noonan at live.ie. Now it's time to head to the phone and put a call into a restaurant in London where Simon Lamont, a.k.a. The Lazy Chef, is going to talk to me about his new show that is currently being aired on TV3 at 8.30 on Thursday evenings. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Simon Lamont, a.k.a. Lazy Chef, thanks for talking to me on the phone this evening. I know you're in the middle of a very busy service. Absolute pleasure. Um, no problem at all. Tell us, <laughs> tell us where the, the day job is. Day and night job is in. I'm standing currently in Spitalfields Market in East London, which is a, it's an old rag trade market, which now sort of doubles up as antiques and a food market. And we've got a, an oyster bar down here, so we serve uh, some of the finest. This is not the work phone's gone already. <laughs> uh, we serve some of the finest oysters, seafood, shellfish in uh, the UK and Ireland. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just 
about a 55-seater restaurant with a big old oyster bar. It's great fun. And you're in the middle of your first TV series now, The Lazy Chef, which is on Thursdays on TV3 at 8.30. How did that all come about? It, that goes back a couple of years, uh, maybe even more. Uh, a good buddy of mine, uh, we used to chef together uh, in France, uh, Stuart O'Keefe. Um, we, he had a show on TV3 called the uh, Stuart's Kitchen. And um, he needed uh, a little bit of help in, in, on one of his episodes. Uh, a mate to come in, chop some onions, and uh, just have a bit of banter, you know. And me and Stuart go back years, and we're, we're great buddies. So I was happy to do it. I thought nothing of it, really didn't. Um, in fact, at the time, I was between jobs. And I was on crutches. I just done my knee and playing rugby. So I was, last thing on my mind was TV. So I uh, thought nothing of it. I actually immigrated to, to London after that, and... Um, it was another, you know, uh, year went by and I got an email from a, a producer from TV3 saying, look, you know, you actually added a little sparkle there. Would you like to come in and do a screen test? And, uh, yeah, I did okay. And uh, I guess we went from there. But, like, you know, it was, it was the green box was ticked and then the, the project was shelved and it, it sort of gathered a bit of dust. And then we came back to it this year and eventually, we, you know, we got the right team together and... The right cogs fell into place, and it, it happened during the summer. We filmed in July. It was uh, six weeks on the road all around Ireland, and uh, we were meeting all sorts of crazy people, and uh, we put together a little booty uh, odyssey around Ireland. There you go. What was the inspiration for the theme, The Lazy Chef? I, I, have, a, I have a knack, or knack, that's, that's not my word. I, I, have a, I have a way of cooking, and it's basically, um, I like I like. I like good food. I like tasty food. I'm big into sort of delicious food. I, I eat out all the time. I, I you know, I, I, I do cook at home when I can, but it's, uh, as I work in the industry over here in London, uh, you, you sort of tend to eat in a lot of restaurants uh, with, with other re- restaurant friends, restaurant mates or, or chef friends. So uh, I, I sort of pick up great ideas while I'm eating about or on my travels, wherever that may be. And um, I'm, I'm to, to, to be honest, I've, I haven't got enough time to be you know, uh, coming up with full-blown recipes for this and for that, and I just tend to, you know, skip corners here and uh, apply some chefy techniques that I picked up along the line. And, and in the end of the day, it, it, it's kind of a lazy way of cooking, but it's you're not skimping on any flavour. And definitely, when it comes to produce, and we've got some of the best of it in Ireland, we uh, we sort of rely heavily on decent produce. And that's where you get a lot of your fra- flavour from. You know, if you start at the uh, with a good product, a good raw ingredient. Uh, the less you do to it, the better, and that's lazy. Like you are a fully trained chef. You, you trained in Dublin, I believe. Are you from Dublin? Yeah. I'm born and bred Dublin. Yeah, I went uh, having left school. I, I went into a, an, an Egyptian restaurant in uh, in Blackrock. I worked there for a while, and I kind of caught the bug. And I went on. I went on to do the uh, the culinary arts degree in DIT, uh, four year degree, and uh, they sort of they 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 train you up to be a chef slash restaurant worker and then they send you out to the big bad world so uh, it was a good training it was a solid training and you went to France and you said that you worked with Stuart O'Keefe in France yeah yeah uh, we worked together in France and um, yeah we, we we both loved it down there it was great fun and uh, came back, we learned, learned a lot you know learned a lot uh, it's just uh, it was very rural but uh, we sort of learned uh, sort of the basics of French cuisine which sort of sticks with you you know it's good it's good basis and from then on, I sort of travelled with it. You know, I came back to Dublin, then I went off to off to Boston, and then I went out to South Africa. And you know, so yeah, it was. And it's, I think I, I, you know, I left the kitchen about 
no, I don't know, uh, nine years ago. I sort of went into sort of more management roles, sort of sort of expanding my uh, horizons in the the restaurant industry, and you know did a few wine courses, you know did um, cocktail courses, became a cocktail bartender. Did I did I've basically done every job that you can do in the restaurant industry. So currently, you know, uh, managing this busy old spot. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good progression. My career has taken a sort of a, a winding path. I, I got itchy feet, so I could never stay in a kitchen full time. It, it would uh, would make you go gaga. <laughs> but um, certainly uh, never forgot my uh, chefing skills along the way. And what is the vision now? What's what's your dream? Well, this this just to get to this point's been a dream. Um, so you know, I've I hate using the word word idol, but you know, certainly Keith Floyd has always been there in the background, you know, I've always watched his show growing up as a kid. Jamie Oliver, big uh, influence on my life. Anthony Bourdain, I read all his books, love his TV. So I always wanted to, you know, delve into food media and uh, certainly at the moment, you know, everyone seems to have a show out there or, you know, it's it's great TV, you know, it's it's fantastic TV. It's, it's great to look at, it's very visual and also it's people, you know, who watch it can take away a lot, you know, they, can be educational so um i think this project of mine i i, I kind of wanted to make i came on board to the project saying like i'd love to make some good great food tv stuff that you could you really get your sink your teeth into whether you be a industry expert or whether you be a lay person or even if you weren't necessarily a foodie but just like cooking you know so um I've, yeah thankfully i've been able to do this show and it's been uh, been great i'd love if it you know continued i'd love if it opened more doors uh you never know. <laughs> it could, could could be a regular feature, but uh, up to this point in time, I'm living the dream. I've had a great, great blast at it. So at the moment, are they waiting to see what the viewer figures are like before they commit to a second series? I, I, I think, with, uh, you know, I don't, I, to be honest, I'm still very much a novice in this. So, I, you know, my understanding is that, uh, yeah, they see how, how it floats. And if it does, it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And look, and, and if it doesn't, if, it, if it, this is it, I've had a blast doing it. And, uh, there's six episodes of, of, of basically a fun, tasty, uh, feastful uh, little TV show. And if we get it, if we get the green light for another one, geez, I, I'll jump at it uh, with two hands. And I've got loads of plans, you know, for the future. Big, tasty dreams of the future. So hopefully we'll get a chance to, uh, you know, ex- expand and delve delve again. But uh, up to this point, it's, it's just been a roller coaster, and we've been having a blast. Do the plans include a book to go along with the TV series? This, this sounds this sounds very contrived now because uh, I've I've been keeping a little journal of, of food stories and, and recipes under my pillow for uh, since I don't know maybe it's, it's uh, six seven years now. But with my travels, you know, I, I I've, you know, I've, I've 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 luckily I've been able to work and travel, and um, so yeah, I've been sort of keeping a little journal. So hopefully one day that'll make make print. And uh, yeah, I mean it's and they're all little lazy fun tips and lazy recipes, but. Uh, more, more like a food, food stories, and that's um, maybe maybe it, it could, maybe it could be a book. I've had no offers yet, but you never know. I've got uh, plenty of ideas, and uh, I'd be itching to get into that as well, big time. And I'm sure that includes lots of behind-the-scenes stories from July when you were filming. Oh, absolutely, it would. And and you know that we've <laughs> there was uh, you know we had a fun time uh, shooting. I was very lucky to work with such a you know talented uh, and. and uh, just a visionary team. Um, so it was my first, obviously my first time doing it, so I was kind of being led. So that was good to be in safe hands. But uh, Asher, a book would include all sorts of funny behind-the-scenes stories uh, from 
kitchens and dining rooms across across the land. <laughs> well, Simon, thanks so much for talking to me about it this evening. We we'll just remind listeners that it's on Thursdays on TV3. 8.30pm. If anybody has missed it, it's available on the 3 player and if they go to tv3.ie forward slash Lazy Chef, they can get the link to the player plus all the recipes that have been aired to date. Uh, another really fun thing was uh, actually uh, some fella on Twitter uh, cooks one of my dishes on the weekend and put it up on my Twitter account. Uh, so if you, if you feel the itch and urge to, to cook something you, you see on TV, uh, tweet me about it at Simon M. Lamont and that's uh, on my Twitter handle and that was really cool to see him cook the food and then an empty plate and a few uh, dirty forks it was great to see so yeah get get all social on me and get, uh, get your tweeting on get your Instagramming on Absolutely Simon thanks again and all the best for the future Absolute pleasure You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM You're welcome back to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. I'm Sharon Noonan and uh, just before the break, I was talking to Simon Lamont about his new TV show, The Lazy Chef. Apologies for the interference in the line at times there. His show airs on a Thursday night at 8.30pm on TV3 and if you've missed it, you can catch up with it on the three player I'm enjoying it. So hopefully they'll give him another series next year, but we will just have to wait and see. We're staying with chefs, but one closer in proximity. My next guest appeared on the show around this time last year. And in addition to sharing a lovely seasonal soup recipe at the time, he also talked about his new restaurant and how it was doing. He returns tonight to give us an update. So it's time to welcome Wade Murphy, chef owner of Restaurant 1826 Adair, to the programme. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Wade Murphy from 1826 Adair joins me now in the studio. It must be, it's 18 months since you've opened. Just about, yeah, almost. May 2013, so whatever that is now. <laughs> and you were in around this time last year. You had lovely recipes for us. I think there was lovely soup. Oh, that's the, right, yeah, yeah. The pumpkin uh, seeds over the... squash and, yeah, and parsnip yeah. soup, yeah, with pumpkin seeds. You have a great memory now that you remember <laughs> that. That's great. And you've been very busy since we last talked to you. It has. It's been a fantastic year, yeah. Really, really good year. The restaurant's um, going very well. Uh, we're, we're happy with where it's at, you know. It, it, these things take time. Um, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, as they say, you know. But uh, no, we're we're really happy, myself and Elaine, as as to how things have gone, you know. You're working well together. Oh, you know, you have your uh, we call each other the couple from Father Ted, you know, <laughs> killing each other behind the scenes, but smiling. No, it's tough. It's challenging for any uh, couple to be. Uh, working together and and 24 7 but it's great you know um elaine has fantastic experience in the front of house and and you know that's one less thing for me to worry about you know and uh, i just let her do her own thing and 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 it's great you know so and all the main restaurant reviewers have been in yeah we've had them all yeah um it's always a bit shocking when you uh you don't spot them and usually I know them all and I'd be able to spot them but a couple of them I didn't and next it's a phone call saying oh we're looking for a picture because Catherine Cleary has been in or blah 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 I'm like when you know 
but uh, no and uh, touch wood it's uh, they've all liked what we do uh, and they've all given us Catherine Cleary gave us a 8.5 out of, out, of, out of 10. That's the highest score she ever gives anybody. Fantastic. So there's only four places ever have got 8.5. And when we got 8.5, there was only two, us and a restaurant in London. So two more have got it since. So no, delighted now. Yeah, and really happy that people uh, get what we're trying to do. And, and, you know, we're not, we've always said, like, we're not a fine dining restaurant. We're a casual restaurant where this kind of food speaks for itself. And you don't have to wear a jacket to come in. And it's, and it's, it's just uh, you know where the way restaurants have kind of gone nowadays you know it's it's casual but we we I still do my little tricks on the food and I have a few little bits and pieces but no no really really happy thank god and you have some great value menus there Rachel Keeley who reviews for Food and Wine magazine and That's did right, the review yeah. on the show a few weeks ago now, it would have been around this time or coming up to Christmas that she was there it and was because I think I remember she uh, had some pheasant and she had some venison uh, and a couple of things like that that I had on specials but yeah we, we run a value menu every uh, every day from when we open on from Wednesday to Friday it starts at 5.30 to 7.00 uh, orders have to be in at seven in the kitchen at seven Saturday it's from six to seven then Sunday we do we we just started a new uh, value menu when we we, we open for what we like to call like a, a late lunch early dinner so we do we serve from three o'clock till eight o'clock on a Sunday so from three to five I do a late lunch value menu which has your roast beef your soup a fish and things like that and that's off the top of my head that's 2495 for two courses, twenty nine ninety five for three, and then we run the value menu again. Then from five thirty to seven on on Sunday nights, which is thirty euro for two courses and thirty five for three. So, and you're still moving with the whole what's in season. You're a great oh, advocate yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, it's part of my philosophy. It's part of my ethos. You know that we we cook the seasons. We use what's in season uh, and. You know, I, I, it, it's one of my pet peeves that when I walk into a restaurant in Ireland and I'm in it's October, November, and I see things like asparagus on the menu. And I know people love asparagus and stuff like that, but, you know, I don't want to serve a, a piece of a vegetable that's got more air miles than I have, you know. So that's kind of my philosophy that, you know, eat the seasons, eat what's in season and just utilise them, you know. So. And that's very much the ethos of Eurotalk, isn't it? Completely, yeah, yeah. And and that's why I became a member of Eurotalks, first of all, because I liked what they stood for and, and everything like that. And now, as you know, I'm Commissioner General, which is basically the president. Uh, and that's the ethos that uh, Eurotalks instills in all their mem members. So, yeah, it, it, it's something that uh, I've believed in for a long, long time. It probably came to me from my grandmother who you know, was a great cook at home and stuff like that. And this time of year, she would be making like apple tarts. And I always remember as a young lad coming home at lunchtime from school to my granny's and there'd be things like stewed apple and custard waiting for me after my lunch, you know, even at lunchtime, she'd be making things like that for you. And, and it was, um, so yeah, see, seasonality, is, it's something about that your talks uh, and both myself believe in com uh, uh, completely like, and I drill at home to all my young guys when, they, when I ask them to come up with an idea for a dish um, like don't forget now check what's in season blah blah and stuff like that so yeah it's important and it's important for people to 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 if you if you even if you're doing your shopping in one of the supermarkets if you're eating something or buying something that's in season it's generally cheaper as well you know so you know strawberries are obviously going to be dearer in 
in October, November because they're coming from hot houses or somewhere in, in Holland or, 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 or something like that, you know. We were talking to Helen McDeal from Fulcher Ireland here and she was one of the judges along with your good self for the Eurotalk Young Chef of the Year and she told me you actually won that one year. No, no I didn't. I never won Young Chef. No, no. Uh, uh, I was uh, in, in Nevin Maguire and Gerard Lynch uh, who was the president before me and Nevin everybody knows. No, I never actually, I'm not a real... I, I'm not. I never really entered that many competitions. I was. I was too busy. I was away anyway. I was working in London and stuff like that. But um, no, I wish I did win it. You know, it's a great competition. It's a great stepping stone for young chefs. Um, but uh, no, I, I, last week I was away judging a competition. I'm not one for entering them. You know. <laughs> you prefer to be on the other side. Yeah, that's. The- I prefer to be doing all the tasting and critiquing rather than uh, being under pressure for five hours in the kitchen. There. But do you feel under pressure in that judging role? Because oh, completely. Obviously, yeah. you know, to make the right decision. Yeah, and uh, like last week, I was uh, I was judging a, a competition in Paris called the Trophy Passion. Um, so it was like the likes of myself, Brian Turner, who anybody who watches Ready Steady Cook over the years will remember him, or and he does a lot of TV, and he's he's a serious judge now. He's one of the the uh, committee for the uh, Rue Scholarship, which is a massive competition in the UK. He's involved in the Boku Store, which is a massive world competition. So you you you're under pressure to get your right decisions when you're all talking about the the dishes. Plus, when you know. You realise after being involved with the young chef and the organiser organising of it, uh, which we're going through at the minute as well, the organising of it and and the uh, you know watching the young lads getting ready, you realise how much effort these guys put into you know in, in Paris they were five hours in the kitchen and they had to come up with two different dishes, one like for eight people, so it was eight sixteen thirty six portions they had to do in five hours from scratch you know and you realize how much pressure these guys are under so you don't really want to slate them even though you don't might not like or something mightn't have worked out for them but uh, most of the time thankfully your scores and your comments are kept uh, away from the individual so because is it a bit like the x factor of the food world and you can be the simon coyle oh, there i don't know i wouldn't I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far i know our job is trendy and stuff like that at the minute and it's trendy to be a chef but i wouldn't go as far as x factor and simon cowell but it, uh, it is it is tough and uh, you know sometimes it's hard and then you get con- contestants who come up afterwards and ask oh what do you think what did i do wrong where did i go right and i suppose you have to be honest with them you know you have to well yeah i think it's very important it's yeah, the only for, way that they're going to learn you know, going forward yeah, exactly you can't tell them it's all rosy when it might not be you know you mentioned Brian Turner there and TV, and you've embarked on a bit of a TV oh. career yourself. <laughs> By pure accident. It's not something I ever uh, strive to do or, or anything like that. It's just by pure accident. I've, I, I used to do a bit, a bit before um, the odd time when uh, Mardram was in, in, in on the uh, afternoon show and 4 Live and stuff like that. So they asked me to come back. I was doing some, some programs on TV3 during the, the, the summer and then the uh, Today Show on RTE came back, which is, it's great for me because it's actually uh, filmed live in Cork. So uh, once a month or once every four, five or six weeks, I'll, I'll, I'll be doing a, a, a slot on that, which is good. You know, it's, it's great PR for the restaurant and that's the way I look at it. You know, I, I don't look at myself as a TV chef. It's just, I'm doing my job, but it's been, it's moved from Adair to Cork for a few hours, you know. Well, as you say, 
Cork is so much handier than having to go up to Dublin and fight the traffic in Dublin. Yeah. And I mean, you are very busy with your Eurotalk commitments. Yeah, that's well my Mondays and Tuesdays. Even though we close the restaurant on Mondays and Tuesdays uh, every week, my Mondays and Tuesdays are completely taken up by uh, Eurotalks and Eurotalks business. And right now it's a hectic time as well with the young chef. We're just in the middle of it. Um, uh, the final five have been picked. The competition is in uh, in four four weeks. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it's a, but it's something I love. I don't see it as work, you know, and I, and I don't see. I still think I'm off, you know. In my head, I'm off, but a lot of people would see it as you're still working when you're doing all this. But it's not. It's something I'm passionate about and something I believe in. So when do you get time then to do all the paperwork and do the research, go and visit other places? Uh, once or twice a year we get to go away on holidays and stuff like that. And usually when myself and Elaine are going away, um, Elaine is very well travelled. So we like to go somewhere where we haven't been before or either of us haven't been. But usually when we, by the time we've picked it and when it's picked, I will have a list the length of Holy Week of restaurants I want to try out and research and stuff like that. But a lot of it I just read. Uh, it's... It's it's it may seem like um, blowing my own trumpet, but you know I I even when I'm sitting down at home, I'm reading magazines, uh, food magazines. The most watched channel on my TV at home is the Food Network. You know it's it's twenty four seven food with me, and I suppose that's you know that's just the way I am. But also that's to, for anybody that's young and is is thinking about getting into the industry or stuff like that. That's the way it has to be if you want to be. You know you have to push for perfection, and you have it has to be twenty four seven. Being a chef is. Well, as I said earlier on, I touched on it that it's uh, quite trendy now because of all these TV programs and stuff like that. It's still a vocation rather than a job, you know, it's not a nine to five, walk out the door kind of thing, you know. you can't, and any of the other chefs, not just myself, any of the other ch- chefs that have done well or, or, or have any, been any way successful will tell you the same, that it's 24-7 food, you never switch off, you know. And what is the plan then for 2015? Um, hopefully just uh, keep going the way we're going, you know, keep the restaurant going um, uh, as well as it's going uh, and, and, you know, kind of uh, maintain the standard we're at, you know, change a couple of things here and there, you know, you, you have to kind of stand back sometimes and reinvent yourself or, or, or look at what you're doing and, you know, be honest, like, like when I'm judging competitions, I have to judge my restaurant and say, right, can we do this better, can we do that better? But I think, you know, we, our basic model is, 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 is good. Uh, people seem to like it. So we just need to up, this, up, up, up our game uh, a bit with food. Now, when I say up our game, I'm not changing it into a fine dining restaurant or upping my prices either. But, you know, it's, it's just uh, I like to push myself. I like to learn. And, you know, every, every, any chef that tells you he knows everything, as far as I'm concerned, is a liar, you know, because every day it's about learning and learning from people and, and stuff like that, you know. Well, thanks for coming in to me this evening. We wish you continued success and be sure to give our regards to Elian. I will indeed, and thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. That was Wade Murphy, chef owner of restaurant 1826 Adair. Be sure to look out for his monthly TV slot on RTE's Today Show. Something else that I'm going to ask you to look out for involves Tesco, who recently announced that their charity partner for the next two years is Temple Street Children's University Hospital. What does that mean, you might ask? Well, I spoke to Anne Cooney in the fundraising office and put that question to her. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleunter. 
Anne Cooney from the fundraising office in Temple Street Children's University Hospital in Dublin. Thanks for joining me this evening. No problem. Thanks for having me, Sharon. And it was recently announced that Tesco's has nominated Temple Street Hospital as their official charity recipient or partner for the next two years. Tell us about that. Yes, it's really fantastic news for Temple Street. Tesco have chosen to support the hospital for the next two years um, through a number of different fundraising activity that will engage employees and Tesco customers right across the country. Um, from our point of view, it will raise significant funds for the hospital, um, ultimately enabling us to purchase uh, the vital life-saving equipment that we need to help make our little patients better. What exactly will Tesco's be doing to raise the money? They will be doing, they'll be doing everything and anything. Um, already talking to stores, some stores have fashion shows planned, their stores dressing up in fancy dress for Halloween, there are bake sales organised, face painting days, car washes, um, mock weddings, um, absolutely everything and anything. Um, there's backpacks scheduled as well for next year. Um, essentially anything goes and like Tesco stores are fantastic in terms of really getting behind their charity of the year partner and um, planning events that will engage employees in the store and will work for um, the Tesco customer of that store as well. So this is very much about the Tesco staff doing activities, doing events to fundraise for Temple Street. Yes, um, there'll be a mix, Sharon. There'll be um, a lot of activities that will take place in the store. So, for example, um, employees, you know, running on a treadmill or, you know, cycling from, you know, Ireland to Lapland at Christmas time. Um, And that kind of in-store fundraising will really engage customers as well because there'll be bucket collections around the activity and they'll be looking for customers to support as well. And then outside of the store, lots of stores as well will organise their own events like fashion shows and things like that to, I guess, engage their own family and friends in in their support as well. So shoppers, whenever they go in to Tesco's, what do they need to look out for? They need to look out for the Temple Street canister at the till. (laughs) Um, We'll have um, Temple Street Charity of the Year canisters in every Tesco store. So if anyone has a small bit of loose change um, that they'd be happy to donate to Temple Street, um, we'd be delighted to accept it. like every little does help and you know whatever uh, people can give to support uh, Temple Street and Tesco's fundraising of Temple Street will be greatly appreciated. Now some people might think Temple Street it's a hospital it's a children's hospital but it's in Dublin and if they're lucky enough never to have to actually avail of your your services they might not appreciate that it is a national hospital. It definitely, Sharon. It is a national children's hospital. Like we are based in Dublin, but we treat children from every single county of Ireland. Um, our patient um, numbers for last year: forty-seven percent of our inpatients were from outside of Dublin. So, like by whether you're from Cork or Limerick or Donegal or Dublin, you know th- there are children in your locality who are attending Temple Street for treatment and for these children Temple Street would be the only hospital that they can come for treatment so like by supporting Temple Street you really are supporting children from your local area as well. Now Tesco have been um, one of your donator or donors in the past what was the money spent on whenever you were their charity partner in the past? 
They have indeed. We were lucky enough to be Tesco's Charity of the Year back in 2007 um, for a 12-month period. And over uh, the course of the partnership in 2007, Tesco raised 1.4 million euro for Temple Street. And we used those funds to redevelop our neonatal ward here in um, the hospital. And still to this day, seven years on, the, the ward is amazing and the facilities on the ward thanks to tesco employees and customer support um are are world class that they're really incredible so you have a fairly substantial target that you would like tesco's to to reach i would imagine yes um this uh, partnership this time around um it's a two-year partnership um and we would be hoping to raise uh, like we'd be hoping to raise over 2.5 million over the two years. That is a serious amount of money, which I would imagine is a life-changing amount of money for the hospital. It, it would be life-changing for the hospital and for our patients. Our plan is that with all the funds raised um, through the Tesco partnership will be used to purchase vital life-saving equipment. So this could be anything from incubators to dialysis machines to patient monitors um, like so much of the equipment that we need, it's life-saving equipment. And without the support of um, you know, individuals and companies like Tesco, we wouldn't be in a position to buy it. So it is, it's life-changing. What does Temple Street have to do to make a partnership like this happen? It's not a case of just lifting the phone and saying to Tesco's, will you please nominate us as your charity partner for the next two years? No, with Tesco, um, there would have been a um, application process in place, so we would have had to go through um, various stages um, to be, I guess, whittled down to the final three um, t- to be in with the chance to be Tesco's charity of the year. And the ultimate um, choice was made by employees, so employees were asked to vote. Um, on the charity that they wanted to support for the next two years through the Charity of the Year programme. And then the equipment and everything that is going to be bought in the event that there is a new site for a National Children's Hospital because Temple Street itself, it's not a, it's, is it a Victorian building? It's a very old building, isn't it? Yes, it's an old Georgian building. So it's essentially it's four converted uh, Georgian houses and there's a hospital operating out of it. Um, I don't think when it was been built over 200 years ago that the builders ever imagined that a children's hospital would operate from it. Um, so hopefully in the next few years we will be moving to the new National Children's Hospital. Um, all the equipment that we purchase over the next few years will move to the National Children's Hospital with us. So you know, by supporting Temple Street now and enabling us to purchase this vital equipment now, like the legacy will live on when when we eventually get our new National Children's Hospital. Which I think is very well worth mentioning so that people do know that, that whenever they make their contribution or their donation, that they are donating in the future. And as your slogan says, you don't have to be a doctor to save lives. Exactly. You know, our fundraisers are lifesavers. Um, you know, that like the doctors and nurses here in Temple Street are incredible. Like the work they do is absolutely amazing. It's, it's life changing. But our fundraisers here in Temple Street are they're, they're lifesavers, too, because without the support of individuals fundraising for Temple Street, we wouldn't be able to buy this equipment. We wouldn't be able to 
redevelop and modernize our facilities to enable the doctors and nurses to do their job. So, you know, we say in Temple Street, you don't need to be a doctor to save a life. And like that, that statement is most definitely true. So for anybody listening that may not have a Tesco's in their vicinity or maybe don't shop at Tesco's, how can they help Temple Street? They can log on to templestreet.ie and we have lots of different ways listed that people can support Temple Street from holding bake sales to you know, running marathons or walking in the ladies mini marathon or just by simply making a donation via the website. There is, there's lots and lots of ways listed as to how people can support our special hospital. And the website address is templestreet.ie. Exactly. And thanks so much for talking to me this evening. All the very best with it. And we will check back with you in uh, towards the end of the two years to see how it all went. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Sharon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're welcome back to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. If you're just tuning into the show, you can catch up with us later in the week when we upload it to our podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. Dash is just being the little lines, of course. Just before the break, I was talking to Anne Cooney of Temple Street Children's University Hospital about the recently announced partnership with Tesco, which they're hoping will generate some two and a half million euros over the next two years. That is a staggering amount of money. Be sure to look out for how you can contribute when you're next in Tesco. They'll be running lots of events, which I will certainly highlight here on the show, along with other events taking place. And um, tonight I have to let you know about a few events. But before that, just a reminder, Helen McDade of Fulcher Ireland was on the phone last week talking mainly about the Eurotalk Young Chef of the Year competition. But she did also mention a couple of events in November, details of which you can find on discoverireland.ie forward slash food. Check out justcooking.ie for lots of courses that Mark Doe is running. Tomorrow night he's doing Mad for Fish and tonight week, November 11th, it's Italian themed. Both those demos, stroke cookery courses, cost €35, so great value for money. Visit justcooking.ie for all the details. Hook and Ladder in Limerick have a few demos coming up, including scrumptious Christmas desserts on Thursday, jams, relishes and chutneys on Saturday and curries tonight week. Visit hookandladder.ie for info. Tomorrow, Wednesday the 5th of November, there's a the first day of a two-day course if you're interested in starting your own food business. It's the first step in a series of food programmes provided by the local enterprise office in Limerick and uh, for many producers that's uh, the starting point to participating on the Food Academy programme. So I'd check out the local enterprise office website there to find out more. It might be too late for this one but it could be of interest to you for the next one. If you have an event that you would like to give a shout out to, it could be a cookery demo, a coffee morning, anything food or drink related, drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. That brings us to the end of the show this week. Thanks to all of my guests for taking the time to talk to me tonight. Rachel Keeley, Simon Lamont, Wade Murphy and Anne Cooney. 
A special thanks to you for tuning in and don't forget that the podcast is on soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show. Keep in touch by emailing me or tweeting me. Details coming up. Until next week, when Sinead Neeland from the Organic College will be here, as will Karen Coakley with her monthly recipe. Bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.